so I have some guests here today. We're going to do a bunch of random things is, is the thing. We're going to do random stuff. We have guests back on the show that we've had before from the Unpopular Culture podcast. Uh, Michael, Michael Drain, therapist, and Corey Stewart, uh, one of the workers on Unpopular Culture podcast. So I thought we would just have some banter about Tougher Bluffs, and you have an email you want to read, Michael. I do, yeah. And I want to talk about a recent article uh, that ranked every single Beatles song, all 213 of them, and we can get upset about that. This is the Psychology <laughs> in Seattle podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Kirk Honda. I'm a therapist and a professor. My name is Humberto Castaneda, and I am an anonymous contributor to this podcast. Who are you, Michael? Who am I? Isn't that the question we're all asking? Yeah. Uh, I am Michael Drain, the host of Unpopular Culture Podcast. Who are you, Corey? Hi, I'm Corey Stewart. I also host uh, UPC, and I'm a graphic designer. Yeah, you are. Yeah, woo! Go, team, go. Uh-huh. So let's, let's do a tougher bluff here. D- 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 does that mean she designs things that are a little too graphic? Yes. <laughs> yeah. <Okay. laughs> yeah. Yes. Uh, so, tougher bluff, which is another word for true or false. Married people have lower levels of cortisol, which is a stress hormone, right? <laughs> Married people have lower levels of cortisol than single people do. Tougher bluff. Berto, what do you think? From watching sitcoms, I would say uh, bluff, but I bet you it's going to be tough. Okay. Michael, what do you think? Lower, I think they have higher. So you're bluff. Yeah, I'm bluffing. Okay. I'm bluffing. Okay. Yeah, same. Bluff. It's tough. Yay! Ah, I knew it. Why? Why, Kirk? Why? Well, married people, because, you know, the, you associate marriage with fighting and, you know, this kind of kids stuff. Kids and bills and mortgage. Yeah. And, but know. non-married people can have, have the same shit. kids and <laughs> bills and mortgage. The, the difference, but now, again, we're talking about huge swaths of people and we're talking about averages. So it's not like, oh, I'm married. I'm never going to be stressed out it's again. It's a distribution. But when you, when you, <laughs> when you, compare large groups of people and essentially you compare one group of people who has the chance at least of having a very close person in their life who they see every day and is supportive and that kind of thing. And then you have another group of people who by a part of their demographics don't have that indicator, then you're going to see a slight difference. And, and the, the married people, the speculation is that marriage provides you with support emotionally financially and a lot of other kinds of things Pe- married people live longer you know it's 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 you uh, get a bigger tax break yeah, yeah. now it de- <laughs> it depends there it is it depends on your on the quality of your marriage i mean right your right. marriage could be terrible uh you could also have a wonderfully happy uh into you know uh, non-married life in which you have lots of friends and family around you but when you compare large groups of people uh, married people tend to have lower cortisol levels. Uh, buff. Levels of cortisol, stress hormone, are lowest in the morning. Tougher bluff. So levels of cortisol lowest in the morning and, okay. and, and higher later on. What do you I, think I would go if on average people sleep, then I'm going to go tough. Okay. Agreed. Okay. Tough. Okay. Yeah, tough. I love the mornings. Okay. <laughs> it's, uh, it's bluff. What? Oh, damn. It's it's highest in the morning on what average. Is, is that how you wake up or something? You and just it, wake up stressed out. It's like, oh, I have so much to do. And it decreases throughout the day. Well, wow. cortisol, stress hormone, it, it's involved in a lot of different things, not just, uh, not just <laughs> cognitive knowledge of stress. You know what I mean? So right. I don't know. For whatever reason, it's highest in the morning, <laughs> your stress cortisol. <laughs> on average, when you're talking yeah. about you know large groups of people. 
last one here before we get to your email, Michael. Alrighty. People with anxiety or depression have been found to be twice as likely to have a post-surgical wound complication. Tougher bluff. Wow. People with Whoa. anxiety or depression have been found to be twice as likely to get a wound complication after surgery. Tougher bluff, Berto. What do you think? You know, it's the mind-body connection. I'm going to go tough. But twice as likely? Well, yes. Okay. That tough. Yeah, that's, see, that's what I'm thinking, because definitely more likely, but twice? Twice? It seems too much, right? Uh, but I don't know. Tough. Yeah, I mean, unhappiness that comes with depression and anxiety. Maybe and 20%. Yeah, I'm going to say tough. Really? YOLO, baby. Okay. Corey, what do you think? Yeah, it seems like tough, but I have no idea. That's, uh, I mean... Truthfully. Um, I have this written down as tough, but... I think upon oh. reading my explanation, it's bluff. He's going to try to bear to us. <laughs> no, I think so. Uh, they researchers analyzed data from almost 200,000 British patients and found that patients with moderate anxiety or depression were 1.2 times. So not twice. Ah, so, oh. so what Michael said a little bit more likely, but not twice so as likely. Bluff. So, we, so I, I, I think, I, I think that it's bluff, but you I put think your anxiety on the wrong horse. I, I wrote it down. <laughs> I'm going to make a little note to myself here. Um, okay. Wait, why is that the case? Well, unknown. Uh, we're just talking about you know correlation here. Uh, so because people are more unhappy, they're likely to... Think about your immune system and what happens when you're stressed out. Your immune system crashes. You're more susceptible to infection and sickness, and it wreaks havoc on your body in all kinds of physiological ways. Yeah. Right. That's well, the thought. And or your depression and anxiety might lead to non-compliance with post-surgical procedures or, you know, there's a lot of things. Oh, like regularly can, taking medication? And maybe. Stuff. You but know, I don't know if they controlled. Even that. if you had substance abuse, let's say you got a drinking problem and you get depressed, you start drinking, you know, it affects your, your blood and then your ability to heal. And it's a fact that anxious people pick at the scab. Is that a it's fact? It's a fact. Yeah. What's, yeah. Uh, getting to facts, what's your email say? Oh, okay. So I'd love to get your guys' opinion on this. I've been sitting on this for a while, not because I don't want to answer it. I just... You know that still has radiation that goes in your butt then. Like, <laughs> I will not sit on that all day. <laughs> I think it's about like reading people. Am I right? Yes, it is. It says, Hello. First off, I love the podcast. The UPC team marks my com makes my commute to work a breeze, so thank you. I'm reaching out because I wanted to hear your thoughts about intuition and judgment of one's character. Mm. I am reaching uh, for work. I have to constantly read people. I do pretty good at this since I observe others by facial expressions and their presence. I can definitely feel vibes from others, but not everyone, which leads me to my question. We have to interview interns, and sometimes it's hard to see who really is a good hard worker, someone who would be excited to work for us and go the extra mile, or the total opposite. To see who is hor a horrible intern, uh, that, is a that is great at bullshitting. Uh, we've had some very confident people at first, but over time have proven to be otherwise. Obviously, during the interview process, everyone tries to impress, but are there any red flags to weed out the bad ones? When you are giving a patient an analysis, <laughs> what are some things you look for to see if they're being completely open or if they're holding back? Mm -hmm. And how do you bring them out of their shell if they are holding back? Do you ever go with your instinct or gut feeling for some patients? Is there some psychological reason behind the whole gut feeling? I'm air quoting right now. Some of it might be from experience, but I just wanted to pick your brain. Thanks. 
Well, what do you think, Dre? Oh, man. When you give your analysis of patience, what... what? <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. I, I mean, I work with a very different population. I work with very seriously mentally ill people, and you're looking for very different things than you are, you know, more high-functioning. But you're trained, right? And yeah. you're a, an observer of humans. Sure, yeah. And so you're, I guess... You're I, trying to advise this guy about... I assume it's a guy. Oh, it's a girl. Girl. You're trying yeah. to advise this girl about... Woman, about how to... Uh, you know, assess whether or not someone in an interview is going to work out or not. Right. So all that just to say that you have to consider who your audience is first. Yeah. For her, Angelina is the name of the stalker they wrote in. Uh, you have to... You, you call your contributing <laughs> members stalkers. Patri- like like uh, I'm a stalker. Oh, yeah. Yeah. We, we have patrons, they have stalkers. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah, they love us. Uh, so yeah, Angelina wrote this in. I think it's your... Your audience who, so for her, it's business people out in the world that are interviewing, trying to impress. They're assuming to be pretty high function, not a lot of, you know, issues or, or whatever. So in that case, it goes to, have you ever heard new, uh, Joe Navarro? He does work. He's an FBI profiler. He talks about things like facial congruency and body uh, postures and gestures. Did he have a TED Talk? I, I, I Probably. Have, Wouldn't I, I saw a me. TED Talk from someone from the FBI talking about this. Maybe it was that guy. I yeah. Guess. So one thing yeah. you can look for is facial congruency. If their eyes match their uh, mouth. I took this class once. It was more like a workshop, but they played all these famous speeches. One of them that I remember was Arnold Schwarzenegger when he was run, running for governor. And he was being pitched a very difficult question by the press, something he didn't want to answer, but had to seem like he you know, was happy to answer like a politician would. So you can see when you first, they you watch it through and you're like, okay, how did he feel? And at first you're like, oh, you seem pretty happy about that. And then they break it down again. They replay it and they play it with just his eyes and then they play it with just his, the lower half of his face. And you compare one to the other. And if there's discongruency, discongruency? That's a word, right? It is now. It is now. Yeah. Uh, so that is a really good tell. Yeah. Body posture is another one. People don't. Um, people don't. They're usually not very conscious of the body language that they're giving off, but it can be very telling. Like Berto right now is. <laughs> <laughs> you don't want to know what Kirk's doing. <laughs> yeah. Well, there's a lot of research on this because you can imagine that if a psychologist could come up with a easy way to essentially read people's minds based on observation that they would want to come up with that. And there have been thousands upon thousands of attempts. And the general thing I will say is it's hard. Uh, Humans are weird. They have a lot of different things going on in their head. They have a lot of, there's a lot of different cultural elements that go into behavior. There's a lot of different um, intuition, you know, when, we see a a uh, computer generated elephant or a computer generated Tyrannosaurus Rex. We're like, whoa, you know, in 1993, uh, you have a computer yeah. generated. Uh, we're like, whoa, that's so real. You have a computer generated human face, and we're like, that is so not real because we are programmed to notice and take in data from probably thousands of points on a person's face, you know, congruency being one of them, you know, and there the other 999 other things that our brain is 
program to take notice of and program to communicate too. We, you're not only programmed to read, but we're also programmed to use our face to communicate uh, something, you know, how we feel, crying, anger, happy, open, not disgust, not, you know, there's a lot of different things that go into our faces and, and body language too, I suppose. And trying to break that down into a science is nearly impossible when you actually look at the data. And there's a lot of things on the internet that claim things that, you know, like I remember, I'm sitting right now, I have my legs crossed. I remember when I was in graduate school, a professor said, as a therapist, never cross your legs. Because, I had that one too. Right. Because that connotes a uh, a sense that you're not open to the clients. Or lack of interest. or Yeah. yeah. But if all I had to do was have my legs uncrossed and that would exude complete compassion and openness. Like, are we that simple? No. Can I cross my legs and be the most compassionate person on the planet? Yes. If Carl Rogers crossed his legs, would that negate Carl Rogers perspective, you know, his, his, his uh, positive regard and all of his wonderfulness? No, you know, it's not that simple. So the, the the thing I'll say to this this emailer is you're asking a question for the ages. You know how can I predict the future uh, based on a 15 minute interview with somebody? Right. <laughs> and you know what I'll say is usually um, you you have to gain experience. Let me tell you myself, and then I'll stop talking. <laughs> I have been interviewing people to come into my training program for you know 10 years or so, and I in the beginning, spent a lot of time asking questions, you know? So someone's applying to be in my program at Antioch. And so I'm like, I'd ask lots of questions. And then I would, I'd finish with the interview and I'd be like, I don't know. I mean, maybe. Over time, you, re- you rinse and repeat. And every time I would either let someone in or reject someone, if I let them in, I would track them through the program. I'd be like, that's the person I let in. How are they doing, you know? And so I would see these, you know, and over time I was like, oh, I, I'm seeing a problem that was showing itself in that first interview, but I didn't know how to detect it. Now, does that have to do with like whether or not they had their legs crossed or not? No, it, it's subtle. It's, it's through experience. And it's the way salespeople, you know, salespeople, if, if you're a salesperson, by the fifth year you're a salesperson, you can read someone so fast. You know what I mean? This person is, they're not going to buy. There's no sense in, in, in bothering that person. Or this person is in the, on the fence. I bet you if I do, you know, it's, it's through experience and there's, it's really hard to codify that and tell you, stalker of the Unpopular Culture Podcast, exactly <laughs> how to get that. It, you know, I learned it through experience. I learned it through a lot of trial and error and a lot of observation. Um, now, you're asking another question, which is, can I use my gut as, a, as data? Absolutely, you can use your gut as data. If your gut is telling you something's wrong here, absolutely listen to that. Now, if you're racist and the person's black and your gut is telling you something uh, bad, then maybe that isn't such a great indicator, which is why a lot of black people don't get a lot of good jobs because a lot of people do follow their gut and they're like, well, I don't feel quite right about this person. Racism. So it's not that you just always follow your gut, but your gut absolutely can be a good indicator. It can be an indicator of a personality disorder. It can be an indicator that there's something nefarious going on. Uh, or it could just be you ate a bad hot dog for lunch or something, right? <laughs> Berto, what do you have to say? You, you, have you ever interviewed anyone before? Oh, yes. 
Um, I have three main thoughts here. So uh, first, I'll, I'll talk about the gut instinct thing. Um, so I don't know how much you guys follow um, the field of machine learning or artificial intelligence, but in the last five years, there was a, a very key turning point in that field because um, there's a technique that has been around for decades where what you do is you feed a whole bunch of data about a, a problem space, like, for example, detecting a kitten, detecting an image of a cat, okay? So I show you a picture of a cat, and I ask you, hey, is this a cat? And us humans, we're like, yep, that's a cat. Oh, no, that's not a cat. That's a lamp, or that's a lion, or et cetera. But when you try to show this to a computer, it's a hard problem. And for decades, uh, this general idea, not just about cats, but about detecting things visually, there has been these experts that would develop these algorithms where they're like, okay, I'm going to find all the edges along this way, and then I'll write some equations, and if the edges don't compute this way, I'll say that it's not this. And they had these very advanced ways to detect stuff. But this other approach that had been, again, around for decades, but finally got fast enough with modern hardware, came around and said, well, actually, we're not going to figure out how to do it. We're just going to feed millions of photos of cats and not cats to this matrix of simple additions, subtractions, and multiplications. And it's going to balance numbers up and down, left and right. And we're not going to know in the end. In the end, it's going to be a blob of, of a matrix that we're not going to understand. But then later, we're going to show it a cat and it's going to say, yep, that's a cat. Nope, that's not a cat. And this now works. This is how modern visual recognition works. And it, this wasn't possible five years ago, uh, before five years ago. So the reason I'm saying that is that's actually like our brain does this all the time. Not in the same exact mechanisms, but, you know, we, from the moment we're born, we start taking in constant streams of data. And before we can even talk, we're already making gut decisions about stuff like, oh, that's a mama thing. I'm hungry, right? Like all these kind of things. <laughs> and so by the time we're adults... The things we can actually explain about what we realize in terms of words is really small. So that's why you're in that interview or you're in that movie or you're in that thing. And, and something tells you, like, I don't trust that person. But if I ask you why, it's hard. You're like, I don't know. Like, it's just the feeling I'm getting. Right. Your brain did all this little math that you're not consciously aware of. Now, the problem, as Kirk was saying, is, like, you're biased inherently, right? So if you've been in the same field for 10 years and you have a track record of success, then trust the gut. But if you're new to the field or, or you're trying to do something that's very dependent on like race and sex and stereotypes that are, are prevalent in society, then you know, that should be warning signs. So that was one thing I was going to say. The other thing I was going to say was interviewing is never, in my experience, a good way to know if someone is going to work out in the long term. But how else are you supposed to... It's, it, you know? it's, it's called... It's, in my opinion, it's you define some at least threshold criteria, and beyond that, you put them to the test, and you're able to end early if it's not working out. Like, I mean, I'm serious. I've hired tons of people in my life in my uh, uh, anonymous contributions to this podcast, <laughs> and uh, I have seen people hired. I've been on interview committees. I've been on, and oftentimes, you know, especially like there was a period of time where interviews were all about trying to like. Stomp, stump the person with hard puzzles and things like that, especially in my field. But that doesn't work. Like actually, the data showed that that there was very little correlation between how good you could solve a puzzle in an interview versus how good you did on your job. What does seem to work is behavioral questions about your past, how you dealt with things like that, and then 
uh, work, um, how do you call it, these like apprenticeships or uh, associate pr- positions where you can try someone out and if they work, you, you pro- those, those work awesome. That's why internships are so, uh, so useful because you get an internship in your field and both you and the, and the company gets to see how it might work out before you've graduated, before you've fully commit- committed. So I would say like the long story short is I would say, sure, if you're an experienced hiring person, trust your gut. But have a consistent set of questions that you use ac- across all the candidates that you have like uh, refined so you know what you're looking for. So you're talking about more of a structured interview with stable yeah. questions that you always yeah, ask. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And that's important because if you're always – like I used to when I first started interviewing, I flew like by the seat of my pants. And today I feel like I'm going to ask him about this weather thing that I was thinking. And the problem with that is then you don't have a barometer for like, well, that guy answered that well, but how would they have answered this other question? So then after, after a while, I was like, oh, I should probably just ask the same boring, same right. questions. The, yeah, the, the other thing is, is that you're getting at is it depends on what you're interviewing for, right? Oh, if, absolutely. Right. If you're interviewing for a plumbing job, then maybe just ask them to do some plumbing or something. <laughs> yes. In my profession, it, when, when people are applying to get into my program, what, what I'm trying to figure out is, are they going to work out? You know, are they going to succeed or not? And one of the major markers of success is the ability to communicate well, the ability to sit down with me in a kind of scary situation and have a back and forth that that feels natural, that I understand what they're saying to me. You know, I, I interview some I've interviewed people in the past where after 10 minutes of talking to them, I don't even know what they're trying to tell me. <laughs> and and so not only will they not succeed, I predict they won't succeed in my training program because it's all about talking and writing. It's not, you're not taking a test. You're not, you're not, you're not doing a technical skill like plumbing. It's all about human communication and being able to understand and communicate to you. Not only within the program, but once you become a therapist, you have to actually be able to communicate and have a back and forth that is at least somewhat uh, you know, understandable to people. So your thinking is if they can't talk to you under pressure, how are they going to right. translate that to working with a client? Because that can be yeah. nerve wracking right. for sure, just well, as much as an interview. It, I can tell the difference between everyone is always nerve. Everyone's always nervous. Right. So th- that's always, that's a constant. Um, no matter how much I try to get them to calm down, they're always nervous. Um, but there are people, I, I'm just telling you like, I, I couldn't put this into exact behavioral terms, but I can tell that's one of the guiding principles I have, you know, can this person communicate, you know? So it really just depends on, on what you're looking right. for, what the position calls for. You know what I mean? So does, does the position call for communication? Does it call for a technical thing? Does it, you know, those are all things that I think. So for Angelina, she is in create the creative field. She's hiring what fellow other stalkers? For t- other stalkers, right? She's <laughs> yeah, we recru- should hire her. She's out recruiting. She's yeah, a photographer. She's, a, she's an art director for uh, a magazine, and she's talking about hiring interns specifically. Angelina is a very emotionally intelligent person. I I tend to lean on like the side of what Humberto was saying that nobody is their self in an interview, and everyone's kind of saying what needs to happen or what they think they need to say. Um, and it just the idea of hiring someone by getting to know them or finding out how they communicate. Like anyone can be taught anything. And I know specifically for who Angelina is hiring for these interns, for photographers, for younger creatives, uh, it would it would behoove her, I think, to get to know them on an emotional level, you know, and how they communicate and what they 
have aspirations for and um because she's asking about a very subjective thing like right. work ethic rather than like talent or a portfolio because i know they look into that but because they can be talented but they can be a shitty employee and just you know you can be as talented as you want but if right. you don't show up right. right so additional things that are common because people have been hiring people for you know centuries are looking up references asking for previous uh, references and demanding that they provide um you know good references meaning like uh, a good evidence of whether or not they're going to be you know what they actually are like at actual jobs not what they say they're like um the other thing that we do in our program is we interview people in groups. So we'll have like a group of like 12 interviewees and we have them do small group discussions while we observe them. And you can get a lot of data from that because, you know, someone can in a one-on-one conversation kind of handle themselves, but you put them in a group of people, especially of, if they have to work together in that group. Right. And, you know, narcissism will come out uh, or just lack of interest or something or, an inability to uh, assert oneself or, you know, like there's, there's, there's certain things that you, that we don't get in individual interviews that we get in these group interviews. So, and we also put them on a, we also test their writing ability. They have to handwrite something really fast. And so uh, while they're observed, you know, because, you know, if you're writing an essay at home, you can get help. But if you're writing right in front of someone, you have to, you know, you have to put something together. Now, we have very low expectations for that handwritten thing yeah. because you don't have a computer or spell check or something. So we take all that in consideration. But it is, it will uh, differentiate some people. You know, having said all that, just as a you know side note, the vast majority of our applicants to our program are actually like wonderful people. And we accept most people because uh, almost everyone works out. Um, in our program, couple and family therapy, we tend to get, um, I don't know, even compared to other programs at my university, we tend to get like high caliber, very serious, very smart, very academically oriented people. In fact, what I do with a lot of the new students is I try to make them stop being so academically oriented (laughs) and stop being so achievement oriented. You know, it's just like before all this, when you were in graduate school growing up, you got all these straight A's, you know, it's fine. But that way of thinking is not going to help you develop as a person and as a therapist because there's we don't have grades at Antioch, one. And two, that way of thinking of achieving something is, is not what necessarily translates into you becoming a better helper of human beings. You, huh. know? you could get terrible grades with us, you know, terrible marks with us, even though we don't give grades. But you could give terrible you know, evaluations and still be the best helper in your class. So don't think about achievement in academics. You know, all that is behind you. You're in a whole other world, a whole new world. Let's talk about uh, the Beatles, but first let's take a break. What do you say, Berto? Yep. So Berto, there's this uh, internet uh, article that I read and I wanted to talk about it with you. And, and Drain, you you're you know the Beatles. Corey, you don't know anything about the Beatles. I played rock band Beatles one time. Okay. Well, that's good. <laughs> there actually. you go. Yeah. I actually played through rock band Beatles three times. I was obsessed with the drums. Me too. Oh my gosh. Oh, you played the drums? <laughs> you guess you have a drum off. That's a drum I love off. That. Yeah. The drums okay. are the best. Um in rock band because it's actually kind of accurate but anyway this is an exciting topic i can't wait as long as it's not that one article i saw about the 213 songs ranked or whatever yeah did you see it oh 
Is it this one? Yeah. <laughs> it's by Bill Wyman. All 213 Bill, Beatles songs ranked from worst to best. <laughs> so I just I read this and I was like, there were some things on here I agreed with and a lot of things I didn't agree with. Well, first of all, the, the, I, I disagree with the premise. There right. should not be worst right. to best. There should be like, you know, what I shoot, my friend Shun said, best to bestest. <laughs> right. Well, the, the other, every year I review every movie that I, 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 I review every movie I see after I see it. And at the end of the year, I go through every movie that I saw that year and I rank them. And oh, I, nice. I didn't and, know you did And that. I put them on Facebook. That's um, so cool. And what I don't do, though, is I don't rank them like one, two, three, four. What I do is I have like four or five different categories. Like I, a field uh, yeah, that they go into. Right. Yeah, I have okay. like, these are like amazing movies. You know, Moonlight was amazing. Right. And then I have like a, a second category. It's like definitely worth watching, you know, very good movies, but just not mind-blowing, but definitely solid good movies. And then, you know, it kind of goes down from there. So, but if I had to be tasked... With <laughs> with ranking all 213 Beatles songs, there would be some tragedies in there because yeah. my 100th fa- you know favorite song would probably still be way above a threshold of like yeah. this is still like one of the best songs that's yeah. ever been written because the Beatles have written so many great songs and, and it's also the signal to noise ratio is ridiculous because the, what the difference between 101 and 102 like it doesn't right. how can you graduate it that way like right that? but anyway so what do you think was the the worst song that Bill it obviously said? had to be number nine <laughs> number nine right I mean that's the only one he could have picked uh, he didn't. Um, any other guesses? I'm gonna try to find number. Nine. No, he picked. Oops. He picked a terrible choice for for not having. Uh, I can't remember, but it's a good song and I like it, and it's ter- it's tragic. I will say, in general, and if we were going in fields, if we were to recategorize these into like super awesome category and super crappy category, as far as Beatles go, I'm not so much into the older. She loves you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of do up more. More of the once they started to, uh, you know, get into yeah. the 70s and the... No, totally. Like, you don't Lucy like the in the Sky with Diamonds and Eleanor Rigby and that kind right. of stuff. Right. Like, you, you, you don't like the history of how music develops. Right. No, or I like, have no appreciation for or it Or, like, all, classical so. music. Yeah. Or jazz. Well, to be clear, so you like Eleanor Rigby. I love Eleanor Rigby. When they first came out, I they were hold sort of a, hand. a boy band, yeah. Uh, twist and yeah. Shout. Yes. And that is a fair and common criticism, yeah. and I totally understand it. Um because they However, all sort of switch, switch genres at a certain point. They came out of that. Every right? album was almost a yeah. different genre. The, there yeah. was a, a defining feature that they had that was very rare, not only at the time, but subsequently. Boy bands didn't usually write their songs, number one. Number two, they didn't usually become like some of the best written, technically written songs in pop music, right? So yes, were they sugary? Yes. Were they the same themes over and over? Yes. But... They were still already ahead of the game in the sense that they were writing their own songs. Oh, agreed. They were introducing chords and harmonies that weren't common in pop rock. They were introducing types of beat. Uh, anyways, I could go on. Yeah. But yes, I, I can so, understand. So the last, the last uh, ranked song is Good Day Sunshine, which is on Revolver. I mean, that's come on. I actually don't like that song very but much. That, that's okay. It's a fine song. It's, but it's, you, Corey, good day, sunshine. I like that song. Oh yeah! Good oh day. yes! You like, can't see my totally blank expression. I need to laugh. And when the sun is out, like it's it. Oh, I need when I when I, I was young, laugh I, about. I liked it. I mean, it's got a great tune, but there's something missing from the song. It, it's like it just had you know, 
boom, boom, boom. Like it just it like it, one more instrument. Something it it lacks something, you know. And I uh, in my adult years would always skip that song. I was just like, okay, you know, that's uh, enough. I, that is one of my the ones I do like, but I wouldn't rank it. T- Two twelve is dig it on let it be. There's a lot of let it be hate in this in this list. Yeah, there is. Um, and yet the song let it be is amazing. Yeah. No, I but, think I know that one. But let it yeah, be. You know, let it be. Sure. Yeah, you do. Yeah. Let it be itself. Uh, I'm just going to go over the the lower ranked ones. Two twelve, little child, uh, which I would kind of agree. With. Little child, little child, little child. Once you dance with me, right? Isn't that? You just should have made buckets. I wouldn't have had such a problem if. They but were here's just a buckets. tragedy. Uh, 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 two hundred and ten. Tell me what you see. I love that. That's song. a you. Oh my god. Yeah. Uh, two hundred nine. So okay, so myself. It's okay, we're here. Two hundred nine. <laughs> another let it be song. Dig a pony. Uh, uh-huh. Dig a pony. pony. Um, Two hundred eight. Oh, that sounds amazing. Yeah, I mean, I I would say not one of the better, not one of the. I mean, I guess if what you were saying is, look, we're gonna rank the top one million songs of all time. The first two hundred and thirteen are gonna be by the Beatles. FYI. Okay, then now we're having a conversation. Here's what two hundred eight. A taste of honey. A taste of honey. Now that's 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 not one of my. It's like that's a covers. Oh, it's not. I actually kind of like that one. Uh, 207, Ask Me Why. Ask Me Why. Yeah, I like that song. Isn't that a cry? Yeah. Why to me. I mean, you know, I, I wouldn't, that's not one of my sure. big hits. How sure. many of these out of the 213 are written by Lennon and or McCartney? Most of them. Most, well, they wrote most of them. <laughs> most, okay. Yeah. Because yeah, that's the real sort of writing talent. Right. But some of the best songs of all time of theirs written were by, by George Harris. By George, yeah. Really? Yeah, like uh, something... While my guitar gently weeps, oh. here comes the sun. Like all these are masterpieces. I have yeah. some really good Tax, covers. Yeah. Taxman, Taxman. Yeah. Um, the very first song I ever played live was Taxman, and we butchered it terribly. <laughs> <laughs> but we won the Battle of the Bands uh, uh, contest. We won, uh, but we were the only band in. There. <laughs> <laughs> and 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 we won uh, uh, Max. Nice. He- we met. This dates me. I won a Max Hedrib shirt. A Max Is that Hedrib the eighties? The Oh, BBB for pork. Yeah. Don't ask. Uh, 206, Free as a Bird. Well, but that's not even that's a release. That's 95. That's know, not even but, a released. Yeah. Uh, 205. That's unfair. 205, not a second. Well, to me, Free as a Bird should have been last because it's like. I mean, it shouldn't be on the list is my point because yeah. he wasn't there to finish it properly. Yeah. John uh, recorded it. It was like a partial recorded thing, and then they went and finished it without him because he was dead. Oh, so you can't okay? Like, here's so I'm just gonna talk about the trav the travesty. Yeah, here. let's talk about travesty. Two hundred four. She's leaving home. That's a beautiful, touching song. You beautiful said that about song. all of them. Well, no, this one <laughs> in really particular. Sergeant Sar- Sergeant okay. Peppers. She's leaving home. Bye. It, bye. And it's te- uh, topically. Very poignant. Yeah. Like, this girl is Do-do-do-do. running away. It's, like, it's a beautiful tune. Yeah, and it's... <laughs> so anyway. I'm being made uh, fun of here. Now, <laughs> other other ones other ones that I would agree with, 203, Real Love, you know, whatever. Again, not fair. Another John tape that was never finished. Yeah. Not fair. 202, Thank You Girl, you know, whatever. Not not a great... It's a B-side. 201, 201, I'll Get You. Uh, again, not, not a great one. 200, Chains, uh... I kind of like that song, but it's a cover. Sure. One, one ninety nine misery. So the, but, misery, yeah. See, misery is a good song. Yeah, but it's a, it's another cover. But yeah. you know, whatever. That's true. So I, um, I'm okay with that. Uh, let's see. Uh, uh, only a northern song from Yellow Submarine. Yeah, I mean, on, you know, see, only but that's a, a clever song. song. That's such a clever song because he goes, 
it, you know, he's to say, telling the, the listener, if, if you think the words are not quite right, if you think the melody's out of tune and all this thing, you're absolutely right. Because it's only a northern song. It's 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 actually well done. It's yeah, but it's you know clever. I, how many times do you go? Oh my god, I can't wait to get home and pop in the CD and listen every to every night. Yeah. <laughs> but here's a travesty. One ninety four. Obla di obla da. Oh my fuck! How's what? that one go, guys? No, not only obla di obla da. Life goes on. Bro. <laughs> it was la la how the life goes. It was oh, yeah, also okay. on, I know a, that one. on a famous TV show. Can Another one. TV, can you name the TV show? Uh, obla di obla da. No. Wasn't that the Facts of Life or one of those famous ones? I don't know. Yeah, it was the th- uh, TV yes. uh, theme song from one of the 80s TV shows. Really? Absolutely. That sounds strange. Yeah. Um, Maybe Life Goes On, perhaps. I believe uh, it was now, a TV show. It. Now, here's one, here's one that I actually agree with. White Album, Don't Pass Me By, the one that Ringo sings. Don't Pass Me By. Yeah, that's fair. Uh, that's a that one should have been in the 200s. Right. That's a terrible song. See, th- that's a... Tr- um, Rollover Be- Beethoven, pretty low. Again, kind of makes sense. Okay. You know, whatever. Um, Being for the Benefit of Mr. Kite. I mean, that one. But kinda... That's a really influential song. Though. Yeah, but how many times have you been like, man, can't wait to listen to that one? But, but that's fair. <laughs> I mean, but... how many times has Corey said, okay, but, but where is that one he... of your favorites? You're giving a face like that may not be your favorite. Every day. No, I've never heard of this song. But where did he rank <laughs> number, so uh, Revolution Number 9? Where did he rank Revolution I don't know. I'd have nine? to look it up. Okay, Maxwell Silver Hammer. Agree with that. Um, you know, Bang, bang, Maxwell Silver Hammer came down. Oh, yeah, sure. You can sing it like that. It's about a serial killer. Really? They're singing about a psychopathic child. It's it's a, in the sixties when I was a kid. <laughs> and, and you're going to rank it low. When I was a I mean, kid, you know. When I was a kid, I kind of liked it because it you know has this. I I could kind of imagine being Maxwell and killing people, but it's like dark. But like it's um it's 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 a it's a silly song and I almost always skip over it when, <laughs> when it comes on. Um, let's see the ballad of John and Yoko again. But here's a travesty. Oh, darling. One seventy eight. Oh my God! Are you serious? Songs. Yeah. Uh, and here's another travesty. Ridiculous. One seventy six. I don't want to spoil the party. Is one of my favorite Beatles songs of all time. Nineteen sixty four. Beatles for sale. I don't want to spoil yeah, the party, so I'll go. I love that. Okay, so let's go to the top. Um, Corey, what do you think is the is the <laughs> number one song from the Beatles? If it's one that you know, then you're probably right. All yeah. right. I okay. Across the universe has Beatles songs. Strawberry Fields. That would uh, be a great choice if you. That's number two. Oh, yeah, Corey. Nice Very good choice. So Very good. Choice. Wow, what a Beatles like uh, academic you are. Right. Ah. She's Thank just you. seen across the universe. I learned quickly. I love across the universe. Oh, it's you so haven't good. seen it yet. I have not. He, I can't. Someone why. needs to strap me down and make me watch it. It's actually a really great movie. I, yeah, I will watch it, and I, it's filled with with Beatles songs. It's visually. Attractive. I'm not morally opposed to it. Uh, like I am to any guesses is the top top group of, of songs here. Very top. Yesterday is in the top. Oh, it's uh, in the if top. If it's not, I'm going to absolutely lose my shit. But number one. Yesterday is 39. Oh, my God. Really? The most covered single of all time. And but, but what he's like, saying is there's even better songs. But yesterday is not. No. No, but he's saying wrong. Like, he's saying yeah. something that doesn't make sense. Okay. Hey, Jude. Must be in the top 10. If not. I mean, come on. Uh, hey Jude is 20. Oh, what? What the fuck? Oh, that was my guess. All right. I'll guess in my else. life, better be in the top five. In my life is your favorite. Is it's not my favorite. 42. Oh, my God. But when you hear the top, you might oh agree. Oh, my God. Any, any guesses? Drain? No, I'm not going to agree. I'm going to say Strawberry I'm not Fields. Gonna agree. No, he is. He he sure oh, I'm going to say no, Eleanor Rigby. 
No, 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 no. Uh, I know what the number one is. Do you really? Yeah, I saw the I saw the number one. Number nine, Ellen Rigby. All right, pretty good, Corey. You're killing it, though. Um, any other guesses as the top songs? Berto. Okay, well, you know what the number one is because you saw that. Yeah, I saw it. So I, uh, I'm going to say that uh, the long and winding road better be in the top ten. Winding road. <laughs> I love how passionate you are about this. <laughs> a wind, I, oh, so the I long see. and winding road. What is the criteria for this list? What makes 45. It 40. It's just a guy. It's just a guy that's oh commenting. Fuck. Um, it, Jeez. Yeah. For, so, so number oh, one wow. is what, Berta? What do you remember? Oh, my God. Okay. Number one is Day in a Life. Yeah. Uh, Which is a fine choice. It would have been in my top ten. How is that possible? That's a song I haven't even heard of. No, you have. You have. Uh, but it, listen in Blackwood Lancashire um, um, yeah, no, no. <laughs> we can't sing I want oh, we're doing to turn you oh yeah that song it is good it is a genius up, fill out a bed a genius thing across my head right but it's not the number one song by the Beatles yeah that well, is number that's one not I, I respect that choice though because it has all the elements of the Beatles you know experimentation John and Paul a great tune. John is uh, is this haunting lyric. The piano is just right. You know, it, it you can't fit it in any category. You know, I, I it I came. Respect. It was on. You know, it's on uh, Sergeant Pepper's. Blah blah. Don't respect. Number three, Penny Lane, uh, which you know, I, I think fine. I think yesterday should have been number three. You Penny know, Lane is a fantastic song. Yesterday is a song for the ages. I know. Uh, number four, she loves you. Which here is comes early. the sun. Here comes yeah. the sun, please. Uh, number five, please, oh, please me. Oh, that's a Beatles me. song? Yes. I know that song. And it should yeah. be it's here. It's been in movies. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, How can you put please, please number, me ahead of... <laughs> number six is okay, Dear Prudence. So Num- right. Number six is Dear Prudence, oh which is so strange. That I mean, is, Not Julia. You're not even Julia. Yeah. You got Julia. Blackbird, nothing. nothing. Uh, Norwegian Wood, number eight. Okay, fine, whatever. Good, good Wait, choice. It, it, Norwegian Wood is a poor man's Bob Dylan sort of like Me Too song. But listen, I think he's got... I think he's got some good picks here. Number 10, Rain. Great song. It is a good song. Number 11, She Said, She Said no, from Evolver. No. Amazing song. That The drums. Oh, Birdo's going to. Uh, number 12, <laughs> Number twelve, Tomorrow Never Knows. Uh, number 13, Something. Okay, oh, now here's a, a travesty. This guy's here's a, a troll. Here's a travesty. Number 14, Money. Yeah, that's just a troll. It's just, just a troll. Money is one of the dumbest Beatles songs I ever. Can, I, can, I can do this too. I can make a page ranking the top Rolling Stone songs and piss everyone off and get yeah. so many clicks and people like frowning face. I still get the views. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I can do this. Number 17, Nowhere Man. Come on, Berto. We can do the okay. harmonies. Yes. He's a real nowhere man sitting in his nowhere land making all his nowhere plans for nobody. <laughs> kind of got... Yes! Oh my gosh, it was, I, I enjoyed that, that thoroughly, was, boys. Thank good. you. It was, uh, we did it in a little bit of a Mixolydian scale. Oh, no. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I saw okay. her standing there, 21. Uh, 22 to 29 is the last songs of Abbey Road. Uh, you know, You Never Give Me Your Money. Sun Which King. is dumb. Like, that... Yeah, kind of makes sense. Day Tripper, Blackbird... <laughs> While my guitar gently weeps, that, what? That, sh- that should have been higher. Wait, what? What number is while my guitar? Thirty-two. Where is something? I mean, where is something? Something is higher, uh, right? Uh, something is thirteen. Something. Okay, is all right. Uh, here comes the sun. Okay. Is sixteen. Where is let it fucking be? Fifteen. Fifteen. <laughs> B- below money, by the way. Below money. Oh my god! Really? <laughs> all right. Well, we got to go. We're gonna go meet up with Lisa. 
Uh, lovely Rita, Rita, Rita May. What was that? What, I think that's like 25 that? or something. What? Uh, but anyway, that's a good song. Um, Come on. We're gonna meet up with one of the originators Jesus of the Christ, of man. the podcast, Lita. We're gonna sing karaoke and yeah. lots of Beatles songs. Yeah, apparently. And, and we're uh, 100, 213. So Corey and J- Michael Drain, thanks for joining us today from Thank you, my the friend. Un- Unpopular Culture Podcast. Yeah, anytime. Thanks. Yeah, it's always fun to have you. Even though we wasted the last twenty minutes talking about stuff that you guys either don't care about or <laughs> don't know about. This idiot would have put Imagine like at number billion. Dude, you need to see Across the Universe. You're this much of a fan. You got to see that yeah, movie. Yeah, Humberto is heated. Yeah. And the soundtrack is amazing. If you have all Spotify, right. I'll send you a playlist. All right, all right. No, no. I will watch it. I promise. What's that terrible song, though? It's like, it's the Yellow Submarine song. <gasps> oh, yeah. Oh, dun, no. Dun, 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 yeah, dun, Yellow dun, Submarine. Dun, dun, dun. First of all, you heard a cover. A oh, cover. Did I? And second, it was intended as a more of a children's tune. 134, kind of middle of the road. Oh, that surprises me. It's so... so hey, low. Bulldog is 89. That should have been higher. Uh, but, and in the end, the, the love, love you make is equal... The love you take is equal to the love you make... We butchered. Well, that does it for that episode of Psychology in Seattle. Thanks for joining us out there. Please take care of yourself because why should people take care of themselves? Well, they deserve it. I used to deserve it until this terrible butchery, but you have to go make the world right by redoing this list. (laughs) 